Did you ever meet someone who, when you first met them, you thought that they were one way, only to find out, once you got to know them better, that they were the complete opposite of what you'd assumed? This special podcast-exclusive episode of All Y'all features one such story. It's a story of an American girl from right here in Shreveport named Farrah Cowley. Before we hear Farrah's story, we want to point out that this episode features original music composed especially for Farrah's story by All Y'all team member Nate Tremay. If you want to hear more of Nate's music, you can find lots to listen to at tremay.bandcamp.com. That's T-R-E-M-E dot bandcamp.com. This episode of All Y'all is presented by our season sponsor, Maryland's Place Restaurant in Shreveport. Sarah and I can usually be found there on Sunday mornings trying to decide if it's going to be a productive podcast editing kind of Sunday or a bottomless mimosa, a sleep on the couch at 3 p.m. kind of Sunday. This Sunday is not the bottomless mimosa Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) And brunch at Maryland's Place is a must, especially for out-of-town guests who are looking for a little taste of Louisiana's legendary party brunches. See for yourself every Sunday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And you can like Maryland's Place on Facebook. That's Maryland's Place with two N's. Um, And that's where you can get more updates from the restaurant. Here's Farrah Cowley's story, which we're calling American Girl. So my name is Farrah Cowley, and I was born and raised in Amman, Jordan. I was born in 1997, so I'm almost 21. It's hard to believe, but (laughs) Um, I moved to the United States when I was 14, about to turn 15, and it definitely was a culture shock for me. I spoke little to no English back home. We had uh, English as our second language, but it wasn't really taught well. So when I moved here, it sounded like nothing I've ever heard before. So I pretty much had to relearn everything all over again. And Shreveport was tough because the Southern accent killed me. It was really hard for me to understand certain words and slangs and English in general when you read it in books is different than when it's spoken, especially in the South, you know. When I grew up in Jordan, everything was very simple, though I didn't know back then because it was my reality. I couldn't really compare it to anything else. Um, I realized that when I moved to the United States because I would hear people talk about um, games and things they did back in the 90s and all I remember from my childhood is playing outside and not having lots of toys. Um, My mom and my dad got divorced when I was very little. About three years old my dad moved to the United States and my mom stayed in Jordan so she raised us up at my grandparents household and we pretty much had to you know have just like the leftovers and we slept on the floor for the first 11 years of our lives Um, and we did live in a very bad neighborhood you know and um, my mom was a hustler and that's really all I remember but she didn't really I mean she didn't have a job she didn't work to earn money but somehow she maintained 
to do something and I don't I still really don't know what it is to raise us up and provide everything for us because when my dad moved to the United States we were basically cut off from him and the time he moved here it was a little bit before 9-11 so communication between countries from the Middle East and the United States were pretty tough and very much so limited but um, my mom found a way somehow to get us enrolled in private schools believe it or not, and we didn't really have much. My mom never owned a car. We had to walk everywhere, and we rode the bus. We never went out to eat unless it's the holidays, and we didn't have a lot of things, but I would consider it a very good life and a very memorable childhood because I just remember spending a whole lot of time with my family, especially my grandparents, and I cherish that a lot. My grandparents were very conservative and reserved. Um, I know they loved me very much, but they never really showed affection. They didn't really hug me or kiss me, but they taught me to do the right thing. And I know they tried their best to make sure I have everything I needed because, you know, I lived with them. And I think through just seeing my grandma waking up early and making my lunch and breakfast and making sure that we get on the bus at the right time and helping my mom and everything like that just made me feel loved but still she wasn't really um, an emotional person and she never you know called me pretty or bought me bows or anything like that I just think they were there and that's how I received love that they didn't give up on me and for the longest time, I battled knowing that my dad wasn't part of my life. And I think I appreciated people being present and staying in my life more than anything. It was, you know, greater than buying me a present or throwing me a birthday party. It's just knowing they're there and they're taking care of me. Jordan, for the most part, was safe. The neighborhood I lived in wasn't. <laughs> I mean, there was men that just felt like women are objects. And I remember my very first marriage proposal was at the age of 12. I actually came back from the dentist after I had my braces um, put in my mouth. And I was bleeding everywhere. And walking in the house, there's a stranger sitting on the couch. <laughs> and he was whispering to my grandpa. And I just ignored it when to another room and sat down when that man left my family pretty much started introducing that idea in my life you know girls hit puberty and then men start noticing them and then they you know became these women become desirable and in my mind i just thought i'm a child you know i i don't really know what i'm doing but i'm certainly not ready to be a wife and my family was pretty good at that i mean i my grandpa was always pushing those men away because <laughs> I think he knew I was you know in my mind very naive and innocent and he just didn't want me to be corrupt so I would consider myself being very blessed with grandparents that were a lot more open-minded than other older Middle Eastern grandparents you know <laughs> Lots of 
people were coming as refugees to Jordan and those were the people that are threatened. Now I was and my family was refugee in Jordan and it always felt like if anything happened politically we were gonna get kicked out and there was no home for us because we were stripped away from our original home and Jordan is the only place we knew and we always prayed and prayed and prayed that there would be no conflict because if so, then we would really have nowhere to go. And um, another thing I think that made me feel unsafe is just knowing that I don't have a dad to protect me in a, in, you know, in a nation that everything is ran by men. Men make the decision. If you are a woman and don't have a uh, you know, a headship over you, such as a big brother, cousin, or, you know, a dad, then you're basically worthless. And you're not viewed as a human because there's not that solid foundation you raise. If you're raised by a woman, then basically you're just a waste. And obviously my mom was the one to raise me and it always felt like we were less, um, viewed than just other women in the society the reason why I moved to the United States was first of all my dad moved here when I was very young and then I think at some point my my parents discussed maybe moving here but what actually forced us and you know said it's time to move was the Syrian civil war that hit Syria in 2011. Um, a lot of the refugees were coming to our country and we were having um, um, refugees from Libya. And it was just kind of getting, I don't want to really say dangerous, but when you're under the effect of the war, you're traumatized. I cannot imagine what those people went through knowing their little babies were crushed because their towns were bombed and the house literally fell apart on their kids while they were at work or something. And so we just knew it wasn't going to be good for us to stay there. So then we ended up moving. Now the very mysterious thing is my dad applied for us to get our green cards to be able to come to the United States and within a very short period of time we were accepted and that is very very um, unique and just blows my mind because that process normally takes a very long time so that kind of just made me think maybe I really should be living in the United States maybe there's something there for me because it just seems the process seems to be going very smoothly and that kind of just gave me um, hope and peace that there is something better out there. So I get to the United States and we land in Dallas and my dad comes, picks us up and I'm like, mm, I just hope this gets better because this city is not <laughs> what I expected. Because when you see the United States on TV, you just think of California and New York. They don't show you anything else. <laughs> that's all you see. So that's what you expect when you're moving here. Well, we started driving from Dallas to Louisiana and I'm seeing more trees and trees and trees <laughs> that was you know still waiting on the big buildings, the cool billboards and my dad parks the car he's like welcome home and I feel the tears in my eyes <laughs> 
just felt so disappointed because that's not what I thought about. And then slowly but surely, I was, you know, trying to calm myself down and think, you know, this is a good place. I'm glad we're safe. And then I started school. <laughs> I went to North Dakota High School. It was and it's still in Stonewall. And I don't think anybody from that you know side of the world's been and ever attended North Dakota High School so a Middle Eastern girl coming all they could think about is 9-11 surely <laughs> so you know there's just a lot of scary looks and I felt very odd and strange and you know I don't belong and I don't know why and actually one time I was um, we were leaving lunch going back to class there was a guy that said, hey, you look new, what's your name? And I said, my name is Farah, and you know, very broken English. <laughs> Barely could understand anything anybody's saying to me. And he was like, oh, that's cool, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Jordan. He's like, oh, well, I just wanted to say thank you so much for 9-11. <laughs> and I just kind of, I just, I really didn't know what to say. So that's kind of really the first impression I got that you're going to be judged based on your looks. And that's just how it's going to be. You are going to be labeled um, racism. Racism. I never experienced racism. <laughs> People have no control over the color of their skin. And you can't hold that against them. You can't make somebody feel a certain way because of their skin tone. That is irrelevant. living here allowed me to learn you know those are things are generational people have heard these things been taught these things for years and years and years they're just a product of something that happened hundreds of years ago so it just kind of made me you know more open to knowing they just don't really know how a lot and it is my job to speak up and if i heard something not to just um, ignore it to actually open my mouth and let them know you know what that area that that side of the world is not as bad as you think it is I've only seen my dad three times in my life before I moved to the United States and I didn't really have a lot of um, knowledge about my dad I've seen pictures of him and I've spoken to him on the phone a few times, but I didn't really know him. So I was very excited and I always been taught that I look like him. I favor him and things. So it just kind of made me even more excited. We moved to the United States and I've quickly realized my dad is just different. And I think a lot of who he is was the way he was raised. His mom was abused by his dad and he wasn't shown love in any ways and he was taught that you're only a man if you can make money and um, build a business or be de dependent on yourself so he was a very distanced man I don't think we've ever really held a conversation ever that showed our interest you know he was just a very caught up in making money person he always moved states and places we never really spent time with him and I did experience physical abuse and emotional abuse with him. 
I try to not let that affect me in the way I am today. And I really do think a lot of who he is or he was. Um, just the reason how he was raised up and taught and he wasn't really shown a lot of love. And I don't think him and my mom ever loved each other. And that was a big problem. Their marriage was arranged. So, you know, they got married and they had kids and there was really no emotional connection. I think my mom loved him or loved the idea of, you know, him as a person. And he was a very attractive person and knew how to make money and was very talkative and polite. But a lot of who he is as a person emotionally was missing. I think Shreveport became home when I found good people because in high school I just knew bratty kids <laughs> and they didn't really know much about the Middle East and I just felt like I always had to fight for my right to speak and, and just prove something. I always felt like I have to prove that I'm a good person and I don't want to harm you. My family doesn't want to harm you. We're not going to blow the school up. This is not our intention. I just want to be safe and we are really seeking for a home. We want to be part of a community. A little bit before I graduated, I met my dear friend Jenny T. Drebo and she is a Marshallese lady. Um, she introduced the gospel to me in a very loving way and by saying this I mean she knew I was a Muslim and she was the only person at North DeSoto High School that wasn't shaming me or making me feel bad for being a Muslim. She just embraced it and thought it was okay. And just by her being the way she is, I felt for once at home. I think just because I felt loved and accepted for once, I was okay. I began to feel okay. I became a Christian and that caused me to leave because it wasn't safe for me to stay at home. This is a lifetime decision. Do I really want to step out of my comfort zone and say, life awaits out there for me and I cannot waste it because I'm too afraid to tell my dad, actually, I am a Christian and I want to live a life worthy of the sacrifice Jesus Christ made for me because I understood that deeply on a personal level and I just couldn't stay prisoned. I felt freedom knocking on the door and I couldn't keep the door locked. So I quickly learned English throughout the years of being in Louisiana. I began to process in my mind that I need to be a provider. So by me moving out, I felt like one day if my family needed me, I would be their safe haven. And I really wanted to be that person. After leaving my family's home, my parents disowned me and I haven't spoken to them since then. It's just been really, really hard and I think my siblings have a very bad image in their head about their big sister, but I know one day they're going to appreciate the decision I made. Shreveport became home when I realized I'm not really stuck, but I kind of am. Because <laughs> I didn't have money to go anywhere else. So I just wanted to open my eyes and look around and find the good things. 
in our city, in our community. So I found a home church and I found people that were very interested in learning and growing and knowing that I'm different, but we're all the same because we're humans. That's really the main thing. We're all humans. We come from different places and we're raised differently, but we should all be heard and appreciated and respected. And I think the most important thing is to tell myself I made the right decision. I became the person I am because I left. Otherwise, I would have been the person my dad molded me to be, not really who I am. If I could see them again and tell them those few things, I'd just say, Mom, I really did everything to make you proud of me. I love you and I appreciate all that you have done for me. And if it wasn't for you, I would not have the courage to leave. And I know that you don't realize that, but you have taught me to be a strong, independent woman. And you never forced me to do anything. But living with my dad just wasn't going to work out you made me the person that I am and I think I am capable of doing way more than I ever thought I would and that's just something you know you everybody should be proud of um not only I left for myself I think my decision is going to affect a lot of people in ways I want you to know, mom, that me leaving is going to free a lot of people just as it freed me because life is not fair to everybody. Some people don't get to make the choices and decisions I do, but I want to help them know it is your life. In a very respecting, honoring way, you can say, I want to live a life for myself that has greater purpose than just being married and having kids and not seeing anything out there or not being anybody, just being a title. You deserve to be untitled, everybody does. As an immigrant, when you think about the United States, it's wonderland. You have all these opportunities and great things that you want to do and you can only accomplish them here. So most majority of people, you know, on the other side of the world or in other countries think of the United States as the greatest country in the world. They do. And I'm talking about people that are, you know, just average. I'm not talking about politicals or people that think, oh, America sucks and Trump sucks. No, I'm talking about an everyday person that just wants to prosper. So all average um, immigrants want is to have an opportunity to live a better life. The biggest challenge and my biggest dream in life is to turn every nation to the great United States in the way that we are free to speak and embrace ourselves and who we are here in the United States. Um, I think we deserve the opportunity to talk about the things that hurt us and affect us and what traumatized us and why are we the people we are today? What could we take out of our memory and what do we wish to do? And we shouldn't all have to come to the United States. 
The United States does not have to be a po overpopulated country. I think everybody all over the world deserves to have a voice to speak for themselves. And my dream in life is to make that come true somehow. Somehow to say every single person on earth should be able to speak for themselves without being harmed or threatened or their life being taken away. Let us all say what we want from this life and what we want to be and what we want to change. And you don't always have to agree with us, but can we please be heard? I think everybody should be able to be free and be their own person. Thank you, Farah, for trusting us to share your story. And thank you, Nate, for the wonderful music. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope that you'll share it on social media or however you like to share things that you enjoy. Sarah and I can only spam our friends so many times about these great stories. So your share will do so much to help this story find the audience that we believe it deserves. Thanks for listening to our 52nd episode. If you enjoyed it, please check out our back catalog of more than 50 great episodes. You can stream them all at allyallblog.com. Also, please like All Y'all on Facebook and or give us a follow on Twitter at All Y'all Podcast. Thanks, y'all. And to the ghost that's in our recordings. Uh, yes, our studio is seriously haunted. You, now's your chance to make it on a podcast. You can click, say something. All right, let's be quiet. Let's listen to the ghost. was the dogs it was not the ghost <laughs>